0: I'll try to just do a little tent. This is the time of Thanksgiving and I just wanted uh, two individuals to be able to come up before I share the word and share just on what the Lord has done in their life over the last year and why they are thankful during this time of Thanksgiving prior to me being able to get into the word. So uh, why don't we go and welcome Cindy up first. She's going to come and share with us.
1: This was impromptu. Johnny just did this to me a couple minutes ago. So a couple things I need to accomplish is getting through it without crying and um, keeping it to the time frame he gave me. So I'm just going to really quickly tell you guys why I am thankful to the Lord and why I'm just thankful to just this body in general. Um, In 2011, early on, my husband and I just happened to be driving by and thought we'd stop in at this church. And we stopped in, and it was maybe 20... 20 people here, (laughs) and so we had been at another church and had um, fallen away for quite a while. Um, We came to this church. I still wasn't sure if this is really where I needed to be, Um, and for those of you who have ever, like, walked away and um, needed to come back, okay, I said I was going to do this. Um, It's true. The Lord chastens those that he loves. Um, Probably about two weeks after that, something devastating happened in my marriage and um, my husband and I were separated I was separated from my husband and my family and without this church and without some of the critical people that prayed for me I don't think I would be where I am today my husband had divorce papers in his hands but I was faithful and I knew that God did not want that for us and it was hard because there was sometimes I really was gonna give up but I, st- I just came to the Wednesday night studies, and I needed that time with the Lord. I sat quietly by myself for a long time. I had a lot of people praying and, and just putting their arm on me just to encourage me that God had this. Daniel and Vanjie pulled me to the side, and they told me that they knew that God was going to restore my marriage. And I was faithful, and I prayed. A lot of counseling A lot of time on Johnny's calendar spent just with me and my husband, but thankful to the Lord that he restored my marriage last year in um, July. And our marriage is probably stronger and better than it has ever been because God is in the center of our marriage. We don't do anything without seeking the Lord for direction, without seeking the Lord for counsel. Um, we're not perfect by any means. so That's not the impression I'm trying to give. But God is good, and his promises are true, and he will make beauty out of ashes, as I've heard time and time again. And my marriage and my family coming to this church, and we are involved. We love the Lord. We love to serve. And, um, and because Raul, who helped me get to this church and find counsel, I have a family outside of my family, and I thank you all, and I'm thankful to the Lord because there's nothing that I could have done on my own strength without God. So just keep that in mind and be encouraged by that because God can do anything. Thank you,
0: guys. And by the way, that's God's greatest work, to restore because when something is broken, when something is dust and ashes, when something is just done, burnt, God says, watch me. Stand back and watch me. I resurrect beauty from ashes. And that's, that's amazing to see. No person gets credit. No Nobody can sit there and say, well, it was because I prayed so hard. Nah, that was God. All right, let's invite Josh up. Welcome him.
2: I have to say, I'm glad I got to meet Cindy and her husband outdoors because they're an awesome couple. They've been so much, they've meant so much in my life. Um, I'm glad I didn't know them when they were weaker because God made God made an awesome couple out of them. But um, you know, my Thanksgiving goes back to uh, it's it starts about three years ago. This is my first Thanksgiving uh, that I get to celebrate uh, in this lifetime. Uh, I was active duty in the Marine Corps and. Um, Because before my first combat deployment, I was involved in a hit-and-run motorcycle accident that I I had to get told about because I lost so much memory, but um, I mean, I flatlined four times. I was in a coma for two months. Uh, The doctors promised everybody I wouldn't make it. Um, Once they saw that I would make it, they promised everybody I would be mentally retarded with all the brain injury I had. I mean you can see today I had to learn to walk, talk, eat, I had to learn to do everything again. They they couldn't wait to tell me within seconds that they came within two seconds of amputating my arm. I am starting to shake. I have both arms. I mean, I have they had to repair my lungs, my heart, my stomach. God has had so much mercy in my life. It's been a really tough recovery. Um I have no family or anything. I was born in foster care, so I had nowhere to go and nobody to to ask for help after this, but um I was actually, I had prayed one night, I was going to Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, and I couldn't, I didn't have the means, transportation, and that money to be able to keep going to that church in Calvary Chapel. I was, I was new to, new to Christ, so I didn't know what church to go to, but I, I had been led to that church, and I loved what they, what they offered, what they taught, so I prayed one night, like, Lord, please show me a church nearby that I can walk to, that I can, that I can grow in you, Lord, and. Next day, I, was, I had been walking up the street, one, one Street. I walk up every used to walk up every single day, um, and I just happened to see a Calvary Chapel sign right there. I ended up walking in. I've been coming here ever since late February, March. I, I love everybody I've met. Um, they're a great families. This is a great church to learn and grow. Um, bring all your paws to the Lord. He He is God. He is our Maker. He does He does fix things. Um, that's how I. I I thank God uh, the most that, that He's in my life. I I thank God every single day that no matter what happens, I know I have eternity with my Lord and Savior. Everybody have, have a great day.
0: You have your Bibles turned to Ephesians chapter five. We'll have a time, a short time in the Word. And then I will explain to you what we will be doing, how we will be served and eating momentarily. Ephesians chapter 5, happy birthday Jocelyn, who stayed home because she didn't think it was right to eat turkey on her birthday.
2: <laughs>
0: That's my daughter. Father, we thank you for your word, Lord, and we thank you that you are still in the business of doing what you've always Done. Lord, you are in the business of being God. And so I pray that we would allow you to do that in our lives. Lord, for some of us we just need to continue to trust and continue to obey what you're calling us to. For others, Lord, uh, we need to get out of the way and let you do what you desire to do. And Lord, even for others, we may just need to have that starting point with you where we surrender our heart and our life to you. So Bless this time that we have together, Lord. Go before your word as we offer this time up to you in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen. 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 Isabella was a little quick on the amen. All right. What is a spirit-filled life or what does a spirit-filled life look like? A spirit-filled life. We have three relationships, if you will, with God, the Holy Spirit, We have the with, in, and upon, and there is a consequence for resisting or holding back each one of those experiences with the Holy Spirit. So if the Holy Spirit is with us, convicting us of sin, pointing us to the cross, and we resist that over our lifetime, we commit the only sin that we cannot be forgiven of called the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And that is basically to go to the end of our life without ever receiving, accepting Jesus Christ. ...as Lord and Savior. And so we become Christians, the Holy Spirit's with us, convicting us, and now the Holy Spirit is in us when we become Christians. So your body becomes the temple of the Holy Spirit. Well, as the, the Lord is with you, in you, He is convicting you of sin, He is showing you uh, the direction for your life, and if you resist Him while He's in you, then you grieve the Holy Spirit. You make the Holy Spirit sad. You make God sad. I make God sad when I sin. And the third experience that we have with the Holy Spirit is quenching the Holy Spirit, and that's the Holy Spirit leading us deeper into spiritual things. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, um, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, prophetic words, Um, speaking in tongues, interpreting tongues, those different things in that spiritual realm that the Lord wants to take us deeper in and begin to use us as a mouthpiece in the world to speak of his love and his goodness. And if we resist that work, then we quench the Holy Spirit. We we put water, if you will, on the fire, the passion that God wants to bring forth in our life. And so people have different ideas of what a spirit-filled life looks like. Many think that it is, well, well, look at all those gifts and those abilities that they have. But a spirit-filled life is shown to us in Ephesians chapter 5, and we're going to look at a few verses here. I'm going to start at verse 15. The Bible says, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. And so Paul, writing to this church in Ephesus, tells them to begin this idea See that they walk circumspectly. We looked at this yesterday at the men's breakfast. Accurately or precisely with great care is what circumspectly means. It's, it's pay attention. Do things on purpose. Not, don't just fall into the way you're going to walk with the Lord, but be prudent. Be sober-minded. Be vigilant. Be watchful. Use wisdom. Um, it would be, I think, the opposite of like Psalm 1-1. Psalm 1:1 says, "Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor sits, in the, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful." And so, be careful how you walk. Um, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 14, the Bible says, "Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it." So, to walk circumspectly is to be on that narrow road. And then he continues on in that verse to say, but now, uh, where is it? Oh, uh, not as fools, but as wise. The Bible doesn't call foolish people or refer to foolish people oftentimes the way we do. We think people with a lack of intelligence or people who are ignorant are fools or foolish. The Bible says that when we live a life apart or separated from God, that would be to live our lives as fools. The Bible says in the book of Psalms, the fool says in his heart, there is no God, And so to say no to God in the Bible terms is to be foolish. And so we go on, not as fools, but as wise. Verse 16 says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. And so it's very important for us to recognize that the days in which we live are evil, and God wants us to redeem them. He wants us to make them of value, not to waste them, not to be slothful, again, with our time and with our days, I think I wrote, um, yeah, time in the Greek, it denotes a fixed, measured, allocated season. And the season that he's referring to is the time that you've given your life to the Lord until the Lord takes you home. That's the time that he's referring to. The time in which you've surrendered your life, he wants you to redeem that time. He wants you to use it for something of value. Um, We are told throughout the scriptures to be aware of the brevity of, of life. Let me read you a couple of verses. This one's found in Psalm thirty nine. And in Psalm thirty nine, verses four and five, the Bible says, Lord, make me to know my end, and what is the measure of my days, that I may know how frail I am. Indeed you have made my days as hand breaths, and my age is as nothing before you. Certainly every man at his best state is but a vapor. And so what is a vapor? It's that thing that just appears, and there it is, and whoa, where'd it go? It's gone. The brevity of life. Life is short, and the Lord is calling us to number our days, to be careful that we are investing our lives as opposed to just living life, spending life, wasting life. There's another scripture that relates to this. This is James chapter four, verse 14. The Bible says, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, uh, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Therefore, verse 17 says, To him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. And so the Lord is telling us to take an account of our life, to recognize that He's given us this thing called life, to be able to redeem it, to use it for His glory and for His good. In Ephesians 5, we continue on in verse 18. And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Dissipation is leaking. Don't be under the influence of something that's just going to last a little while. Don't follow the ways of the world where they get drunk and they forget about their problems and their issues and what happens when they come out of that drunken state. Their problems are still there, usually a little bigger than they were before. But they're nonetheless still there. And he's saying, I want to encourage you, if you're going to be under the influence of something, be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit be that thing that is guiding you, that is driving you, that is leading you along your path in life, as opposed to doing something that's just going to leak anyways. Then he goes on. Um... Verse 19, and he gives four things that a spirit-filled life looks like. Number one, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. That's two. Giving thanks always for all things to God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's three. And number four, submitting to one another in the fear of God. And so if we are filled with the spirit, we should speak to one another a certain way we should sing and there should be a melody in our hearts we should be people who are grateful giving thanks always for all things and we should be willing to place ourselves under the authority of others when we recognize that God brings individuals in our lives who we are called to submit under then we gladly place ourselves under those individuals and we submit to fall under rank to fall in line under. And then he goes into marriage and family and all of those things. But before he does that, he says the only way that's going to work, the only way you're going to be a husband that's able to love your wife, the only way that you're going to be able to be a wife that respects her husband is if you're filled with the Spirit and these attributes are in your life. I wanted to take a look at a few verses on thanks and what the Bible has to say about thanksgiving. Let me read you these, 1 Thessalonians 5.18. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Lord, in, in everything? Yeah, in everything give thanks. Count it all joy, James would say, when you fall into various trials. Lord, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to count it all joy for the trial? No, no, no. Count it all joy, because you know that God is going to be able to do something in your life through that difficulty that maybe he wouldn't be able to do in your life had you not gone through that difficulty. So count it all joy. Recognize God is able to take the broken and fix it. God is able to take that which is burnt and resurrect life from it. God is able. And so that's where you're counting it all joy, and that's where you're giving thanks. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15 says, For all things are for your sakes, that grace, having, a, having spread through the many, may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. Um, in 2 Corinthians, they were to bring this gift, and the gift that they were to bring out of a sacrifice caused others to give thanks to God. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 12 and 15. The Bible says, For the administration of this service not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also is abounding through many thanksgivings to God. And then it says in verse 15, Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. And you may say, but, but it's hard, it's difficult. Paul would, out of a jail cell, write the pastor, the jail epistles, what are they called? The epistles that he was in jail? I don't I forgot what they're called. Um, but one of them would be Philippians. And in Philippians, Paul writes, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And so, by everything, with thanksgiving. Colossians 2 6 and 7 says as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord so walk in him rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught abounding in it with thanksgiving and then last one Hebrews thirteen fifteen. therefore by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. And so throughout the scriptures, over and over, we encourage to have a heart of gratitude. And I, as maybe some of you oftentimes am am busted in this area, I look at what I don't have, I look at what I used to have, and I compare it to what I now have or don't have. And, And I just do this, and these mental gymnastics take place in my brain, and the Lord is kind of busting me and nailing me and showing me. Why don't you stop complaining about that? Why don't we rejoice in what you have instead of what you don't have? Or, or be happy for what you're blessed with as opposed to looking at somebody else's blessing and wondering, well, why I have that and so on and so forth. And so that we would be those that are spirit-filled, individuals who have a heart of gratitude, a heart of thanks. If you want to read a, an awesome picture Um, In the Old Testament, 2 Chronicles chapter 20, you have Jehoshaphat and you have all of these armies and these lands, these enemies are coming against him. And all of the physical battles in the Old Testament are pictures of our spiritual battle who are Christians. And so you have all of these people coming against in all of these lands. And it's interesting how the Lord would bring... um, Jehoshaphat and the king to be able to bring Jerusalem and and Judea into victory, and it's all through a heart of praise. If you read through 2 Chronicles chapter 20, you'll see that God just takes them from this place where he says, no, 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 stand still and watch the salvation of God. Watch me work on your behalf. You just utter praises, To me, you just have a heart of gratitude and thankfulness for the many things that I've blessed you with already, for the many wonderful things that you have already, and begin to praise God and thank Him. And then the enemies would fall down dead, and it would take three days in that chapter for them to be able to take all of the loot, all of the blessings that God had in store, and they didn't have to do anything but stand back and watch the hand of God do it for them. All they needed to do was to have hearts of gratitude, praise coming from their lips to God, for the victory was given to them. And so it's an awesome picture, and I end there. During this time of Thanksgiving, we thank you guys for joining us. We thank you for being here. And so now we're going to have a time to just grub. You feel me? We're going to throw down. Father, we thank you for your word, Lord, and we have so much, so much, Lord, to be thankful for. And so, Lord, I pray that we would be intent on doing our part, adoring you, Lord, loving you, praising you, speaking to one another in a gentle way with psalms and hymns and melodies flowing out of our heart, submitting, Lord, to one another. And that is the spirit-filled life, Lord, that brings you glory, brings you honor, brings you praise, brings you, Lord, adoration, because we become trophies of your goodness and your grace. So, Lord, I pray that we would desire to be those who are spirit-filled, those who are walking in the spirit, not in the flesh, but looking to you for all things. So, Father, we thank you for the meal. We thank you for the hands that have prepared it. We pray, Lord, now that as we have this opportunity to eat, that we would just fellowship and rejoice in what you've blessed us with, Thank you so much for your goodness and your grace, Lord Jesus, for it's in your name that we pray and all of God's people said, amen.